Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. It is 6.08 in the Twin Cities. How are you doing, Minnesota? How are you doing, Upper Midwest? And all those who can hear me in other states and also in Canada, I hope you're doing okay. We are all hanging in here. We will get through this. This feels like definitely week two of the extreme measures. The question is, how long will these extreme measures last to try and prevent COVID-19 from spreading more seriously here in just a couple of minutes, we'll be joined by a professor, uh, Liang Ding uh, from McAllister, to talk about what it's like in China right now as they are post-COVID-19. But I do want to check in with my fabulous producer, Jonathan Lowe. Uh, we are in different places. I'm alone in a, a little closet. <laughs> He's in another building. And I just want to know how you're doing, Jonathan. I'm doing okay. It's been a, uh, a very interesting last couple of weeks. And... Um I'm just trying to, you know, trying to make sense of it all and trying to make sure that I am making as things as safe as possible for people I interact with. I've been right. trying to reach out to a couple of family members, mom, dad, my brother. Who are, who are uh, in Kansas most City, part, right? I've just been kind of hunkering down and just uh, laying low. Yeah. Well, I think everybody should really know that, you know, for every and I know a lot of people, certainly the ratings are up for television and radio because people are tuning in because they're stuck at home. But for every person you see or you hear, there are people who are behind the scenes who are allowing us to get on the air. And it's gotten a lot harder than it used to be under these restrictions because we're trying to keep all of us healthy. And so your job's gotten harder uh, my job's gotten harder over here, but your job has gotten much harder than mine. So I really appreciate it, Jonathan. And um, well, thank you. And again, the the good thing about living in this time in this age is that technology has advanced so much that we can do these type of things that we're doing. You're over at the television station. Most people are broadcasting from home. Last week we did it out at the uh, WCCO transmitter site. So the technology has grown to the point where we can make ourselves scarce but still have a connectivity among us. Absolutely. Well, it's great to hear your voice. I can't wait to get back to the point where I'm in the studio with you, with everybody else. It's such a little thing that you completely take for granted, and and now it seems you miss it. You really do. So, um, Jonathan, thank you, and thank you for uh, keeping us on the air here on CCO Radio. Uh, I want to get to my first guest, uh, he is a professor of economics uh, from McAllister College. His name is Professor Liang, Liang Ding. And we want to talk to him about what it's like in China right now. Now, Professor, did I say your name kind of okay? I think that's perfect. That's perfect? Okay, because I, I asked my daughter, 
who's a high school senior um, who was supposed to, was taking Mandarin, has been taking it for a number of years, and she was so excited because her class was going to go on this big trip in May uh, to China. And, of course, that is not happening right now. But I did ask her how to pronounce it, so I, I'm glad I got it. I, I kept on doing it not quite right. She's like, no, that's not quite right, but that's my best professor. So thank you for joining us. Yeah, no problem. My pleasure to be okay. here. Okay. Well, let, let me ask you, Professor, um, you're a professor uh, of economics. How is China doing both in terms of, you know, health-wise and also economically right now? Right now, you can see they uh, have lifted the mandatory quarantine, and people's lives in general have been back to normal, um, and workers have been going back to their factory, and the capacity has been increasing, although not 100% restore, but maybe 70%, 80%. Um, so that's overall situation in China now. Okay. And have most people been able to go back to work? Because, I mean, that, that's the situation. So many people listening, they're out of their job. They're, they're having to file for unemployment. I mean, have most people been able to go back to their jobs at this point in China? Right, right. Even during the, uh, you know, the spread of the virus, the typical office jobs of, of white-collar jobs, they can do the uh, distance kind of uh, work from home. That's the word we use here, work from home. But for manufacturing jobs, many of these workers, they got stuck because of this lockdown. They got stuck in their hometown. They cannot travel. So these manufacturing jobs, mostly the factories have to be shut down uh, during that period. And are they back open now? Now, most of them now open now. Well, that's that's good news. And then let me ask you, how about the restaurants? I mean, you know, are, are people able to go to restaurants? Are restaurants able to be open now? Mm-hmm. Most of them are open. Most of the restaurants are open. Um, but the seats is a scarce position. So you have, you don't have to be sit very close to people and to prevent, the, you know, the further spread of the, uh, the virus. Okay. So people are still taking precautions, but life is definitely getting back to normal. How about, how about school children? Are they able to go to school? Right, it varies. Uh, for some relatively remote province, uh, the schools have been open and uh, children back to school. But for some, uh, most of the province now still not open yet. It's scheduled to be open gradually starting April. Okay. Um, I guess I'd like to ask you, Professor, um, as you look at the U.S. and the response, I mean, really what's happened here has been very similar to what happened in, in Wuhan and China in terms of the seriousness of this, although the, the, the actual cases in the U.S. has topped China. When do you think it's going to get back to where, when do you think will be where China is right now? If you, if you had to guess, I, I know that that's, uh, you're an economist and, and you do a lot of probabilities and everything like that, but when, when would you guess we'd, we'd be kind of where China is right now? Right. You know, I'm not the uh, epidemiologist and I'm not a doctor, but right. uh, based on the data, based on the data, we are still in the early stage of, you know, we have, wow. we have exponentially growing numbers of infections, right? I think we're still in the early stage of this uh, virus thing. Wow. Okay. So it's it's another two or three months. You're thinking. I think so. Right. Okay. Because I remember um, looking because because my daughter was so looking forward to this trip, and I remember looking on the State Department's web page. It must have been in late December, and there was just one warning for one for Wuhan about the coronavirus, but it wasn't you know widespread in late December, and there was just one warning for one for Wuhan about the coronavirus, but it wasn't, you know, widespread. You could still travel to China, and I thought, oh, well, they're not going to go to Wuhan, you know, they'll still be okay, and that was back in December. Um, 
What are some of the economic lessons uh, that can be learned? I mean, is China's economy recovering? It sounds like people are back to work, so they're, they're getting paid. Are they able to get, you know, groceries and all of those things now? Um, even, the, even during the, uh, the peak time of the virus, people still can get the groceries. That's still going on. That's not the problem. The problem is the export. Uh, the export industry, oh. because the orders, large orders from U.S. and European markets, even now they have the capacity to produce these orders, but the orders have been canceled or suspended. I and see, because so they're, they're on yeah. shutdown. Right. So, so and, and so obviously we'll have to recover, so that's another three months away. So it, long term, you're looking at basically a year for the economies to recover at least. Basically, I think very likely we're heading to the global recession here. Um, okay. Because this time, not only the, the manufacturing part, you know, the service sector, as you can see in the U.S., right, the restaurants, the bars, the movie theater, all shut down, the travel, all the flights, the hotel, right, all, this, all, the, all different kinds of this, this service sector industry have been hit severely. And uh, then related to that, uh, manufacturing jobs will be affected. And uh, so... I mean, this is not just China, not just U.S., it's in Europe now, and uh, um, then other countries like India now also locked down for 21 days. So it's a global phenomenon here. Right. L- let me ask you this. In China right now, can you go from city to city? I mean, you know, one of the things that I think is so hard for people is, you know, I was talking with our producer, Jonathan, his his, par- his family's in Kansas City. Uh, you know, you really aren't supposed to, well, we, we're not supposed to leave. We're, we're ordered to stay at home by Governor Walls, which I think is a great idea. I think he's doing a very good job at this. Uh, but can can you travel in China from place to place? They now have removed the travel restrictions. So definitely you can't move from one city to another city. But before they removed that, absolutely no. Highways uh, blocked and uh, the flights canceled, the train stations closed, so people cannot move, even between neighborhood to another neighborhood. So so that's still the case there in China? No, no, this this has been removed. Oh, that's been removed. Okay. So, yes. So, so you could travel. Could you get on a plane and go from one city to another city in China right now? Yes. Yes. And how about you know the the wonderful attractions that my poor daughter was hoping to see with her with her friends and classmates, like the Great Wall and you know the Forbidden City. All of those are are they open? Um, well, some of them still closed. Most of them now open, but to prevent the overcrowded uh, kind of the you know population in, within the uh, the parks. And uh, the government has some restrictions uh, there, too, to control the traffic. And let, let me ask you, Professor, we're chatting um, uh, with Professor Liang Ding uh, of uh, McAllister College. He's a professor of economics, uh, talking about what life is like in China right now. Uh, in terms of um, the lessons learned, what are is there discussion, and obviously the media situation in China is very different than it is here, but is there discussion about perhaps changes that, that China or, or that things China could have done differently. I know that there's been speculation about it, it perhaps starting in one of these uh, live animal markets. Uh, are, are, are there discussions about changes that will take place in China to make sure something like this doesn't happen again? Right. Uh, well, there are many reflections we need to do for different countries and maybe different kind of perspectives. Now, for China, particularly, the, you mentioned the wide animal uh, market, the wet market. Yes. And uh, most people believe the virus started, originated from there. And, uh, in fact, Chinese government has shut down 
um, the market and also shut down all the transactions related to wild animals. And that's one thing. And the other thing is um, when the virus started emerging, actually the cases has been reported early December, but the government obviously didn't want public to know uh, back then. Okay, So they, there is a delay of notifying general public about the virus. And so obviously uh, Chinese people have criticism criticism uh, uh, about that um, and the, the trans- about the transparency of the uh, government, uh, about the, this kind of the virus situation. Um, now, that's the, definitely that's a lesson Chinese people, Chinese government need to learn. But even you know, from U.S. perspective, you, know, you see, you observe um, the scenario that the hospitals are overwhelmed in New York City and the health workers, lack of protection, lack of protection here, even in Minnesota, local hospitals, right? Yes, and, yes. Uh, I mean, the virus started in China two months ago, and we, we also saw what's happening in Italy, in Europe, and what's the preparation we have been doing right, for the local government, for the you know, federal government. I think that there are many questions there. Uh, there will be lessons we can learn after these virus. Right, and and I think that that's something that that a lot of people are looking at. It's like what what can China, what did China do? What could they do differently? What about um, the president um, Xi Jinping? Because he was criticized, I think, for a lot of people outside of China. And I, I assume that that criticism probably existed within China, but it was couldn't be very vocalized. Um, what is the thought about the government's initial response? It sounds like for a while the government was skeptical, tried to play it down, and then they got on board with some serious, serious uh, efforts to you know, social distance and, and isolate those who were infected. Right. Uh, I mean, for any government, any extreme, strict virus containment measure, that will hurt economy. Right. Um, and... Uh, and also, that time is Chinese traditional holidays, Chinese New Year time. Oh, that's right, People yes. are supposed to go back home and uh, celebrate the New Year, you know. And uh, uh, so now all of a sudden, if the government say, well, this is a very quickly spreading virus, everyone has to go stay home, and, uh, you know, people cannot go to the work, that will hurt the economy. That right. will hurt the atmosphere of that holiday time. So I think in the beginning, um, probably they hesitate to notify the general public to take relatively more strict um, measures against the uh, virus. Uh, so that's my, my understanding. And, and so, yes, this is something that I've read about, and I wasn't aware that, that the Lunar New Year in China was such a big holiday. But it's, is it one of the biggest, is it like a Christmas kind of holiday, uh, Christmas Hanukkah, where, where everybody kind of goes and visits friends and family? Right, it is biggest holiday, and and, and it happened. That's it. That was in January, right? Right, and but the travel start started uh, a couple of weeks before because people are supposed to go home. Got it. And and so I I have read some articles, fascinating articles about the, the timing couldn't have been worse for China in that it did occur at at this moment when when Chinese were looking to celebrate and you know travel and see each other and families reunite and and it was at the worst possible possible time. Um, in terms of, of where China is right now, um, are there going to be, and I asked you about the changes, are there still cases coming up of COVID? I mean, are there still new cases there? Mm-hmm. there well, are. <laughs> according to the government official number, there's no new cases confirmed. Wow. But um, 
there is reports as well uh, saying that uh, the uh, infections without symptoms not considered as confirmed cases. Uh, how many number? Not sure. And uh, and also because the people from foreign countries they come back to China, and uh, so occasionally there's still cases reported, and uh, so um, there's still potential risk there. That's my understanding. And, and uh, as you sit here, are you not trusting the, the numbers you're seeing coming out of the, the Chinese government right now? Well, um, the in terms of the total number of infections, total mo- number of deaths, people have reason to doubt that, to suspect right. it might not be an uh, accurate true number. Right. And is there any... Um I, there, there was a, this story of this young doctor who tried to, to, to alert the alarm and say, say, this is something new, this is something different. And in fact, he was taken to a police station and he later died. And this was a young man in his early 30s. And I know there's been a lot of publicity about that. I, I, I believe the Chinese government even apologized to this man's family. Is Do you think that, that there will be more understanding if something like this happens again in China, that, that those who are alerting the government or waving the red flag saying something terrible is happening here, that they'll be listened to? Right. Uh, he was, that doctor was considered as a hero, as a whistleblower, um, you know, in China. And uh, it was very unfortunate he passed away because of virus. Um, and, 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 and a young, young, I mean, he was in his, in his early 30s, right? Right. Correct. Um, correct. Yeah. And, uh, um, well, he was brought in for questioning, and uh, uh, now later when this virus break out, uh, government did some investigation and uh, apologized uh, to his family. Uh, that didn't happen. Uh, but in future, um, well, you know, the Chinese government, they control the media. Um, they have motives to cover up the information like that. And uh, so mm-hmm. uh, even with, within chi- China, uh, there's intellectuals, and there's people who are requesting the investigation on the delay of notification of this virus. Um, They want reform. They want change. They want more transparency. And uh, until that change can be made, I think it's still possible that the government will do the similar thing. And Professor, um, we're, we're chatting on the Centerpoint Energy Home Service Hotline with Professor Liang Ding uh, of McAllister College. Do you have family over there, and how are they doing? My parents actually still in China. Um, they are doing fine now, um, but they experienced the mandatory um, uh, quarantine for about four weeks. I think they're literally staying in their apartment for four weeks without going out. Wow. Okay. How did they get food? Um, the grocery can be, well, now is e-commerce and mobile uh, internet is pretty popular in China. People okay. have smartphones and apps, uh, you know, commonly used to buy grocery, like Costco same-day delivery or, you know, Gosh, got it. Amazon, okay. that kind of thing. Yes. Okay, well, good. And I'm, I'm glad, and they're okay. They, they did not get sick. They're okay. They're okay. Okay, great. Well, listen, uh, Professor Ding, you, you've been so, uh, it's just been fascinating hearing about what's going on in China now. I only wish that we could be at that place here in the U.S. Uh, and the recovery there sounds like it's been a, a slow one, but at least they're back on their feet right now. So thank you so much for sharing. We really appreciate it tonight. No problem. Okay, absolutely. That was uh, Professor Liang Ding. 
uh, from McAllister College talking about what life is like in China right now after the most of the coronavirus has passed. Listen, let's take a quick break. We've got weather for you. We've got a lot going on. Oh, i got to get weather ready. I will get weather ready. <laughs> uh, let's take a quick break, uh, and then we're going to get weather for you. And we also are going to have, in our next half hour, the president of the Minnesota Nurses Association. These folks are the heroes. They're on the front lines. We'll, we'll uh, uh, chat with Mary Turner to see how they're doing after this. So let's take a break. You're listening to News Talk 830 WCCO. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 